Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the second season of the Melbourne AWS User Group podcast. I am your host, Arjen Svats, and I'm once again joined by two wonderful people, Matt Merrill hey. and Jason Wood. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks for joining me. As our last episode was all about the Melbourne region, we realized we haven't really talked about any of the other news this year. And that means that's about three months or three and a half months of news since reInvent. So instead of trying to talk about everything, we've mostly picked our favorite items and we'll go over those. Yep. But of course, we get to start with a new segment. What's new in Melbourne? Lots of stuff! <laughs> uh, it's sad that I'm excited by that. Hey, there were some good new announcements coming through. So uh... the console mobile application works for Melbourne now. Yay! <laughs> yeah, it still feels terrible that that is not just something that happens when a new region is launched. Yeah, and your favourite one, Matt, EKS. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. I can now run Kubernetes. I can now not run Kubernetes even closer to home. <laughs> <laughs> but then if we are talking about all the things you love to use, I assume you'll use Storage Gateway as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Storage Gateway, top on my list. Trusted Advisor, top on my list. Being able to run EKS anywhere on a snowball in your in, in your uh, study. Yeah, no, so that doesn't, no, that's not there. <laughs> yes, in the continues, continued adventures of Matt loves Kubernetes. Matt loves, yeah, Matt loves Kubernetes, not. Ah, uh, that's all right. That's all right. I, I, I will find a reason to give it some love one day, maybe. Yeah, but one that you do love is Step Functions Distributed Map. Absolutely. That is, yeah. So, you know, I've, you know, we've, we've mentioned it before. I've been hitting Distributed Map pretty hard um, since it was announced at reInvent last year. And uh, now I can do it very close to home. That is exciting. Um, it's a very cool piece of tech for anybody who hasn't um, played with it. It's a really nice way to scale out your Step Functions very, very easily. You can simply just pass in in um, a CSV file full of your list of uh, objects and it will go and fire off the, re the relevant resources uh, and then concatenate all the results and stick it back in an S3 bucket for you. No more loops and waits and querying SQS, uh, SQS queues and all of those sorts of messy things. It just scales it out, scales it back in and just lets you know when it's done. Very nice. So yay for being in Melbourne. Yep. And... Um RAM as well. So yeah, that it was good to see that came not too far after the announcement. I mean, yeah, what was that? 16th of Feb. So yeah, you know, I was just having a look at the, did, did, did my list through. So we had what, Direct Connect at the end of Jan, Elasticage for Redis Auto Scaling on Feb 9th. And then yeah, RAM 16th. RAM's, RAM's a tricky one because RAM itself, I don't know about you two, but RAM itself, I don't actually get all that like excited about. It's all the bits that RAM enables. Transit gateway. Exactly. All right. It's all of that stuff that is, okay, cool. Right. Now I can actually build some services. Yep. Yeah, it's it's as you say, not so much RAM itself, but you know what you need RAM for, and, and that's Resource Access Manager for anyone wanting to play acronym soup. 
Um, yeah, so, and then we'll see. Last thing they'd announced at Feb was um, the HCF strategic certification for the Melbourne region. So, yeah, if you need those, those uh, that certification for running your workloads in, in Melbourne, um, it's certified. Oh, and Kinesis, data firehose. That was that. That was mid March. Yeah, that's also a nice one. And Cloud Map is now available. Mm-hmm. Uh, RDS Blue Green for MySQL. Still waiting for that to be something other than a pure console tool. Yeah, it's twenty twenty three. Can like we finally get to the point where services get released with you know infrastructure as code support on day one, please? Like, I know it's something I've only been asking for for the last, ooh, decade. <laughs> but, like, are we not yet Are we not yet at the point where if it, like, we've been pushing the idea of DevOps and, you know, you're not allowed automation, like, you're not allowed human access in production. Everything has to be automated. But here's this new fancy service that you can't automate, or at least you can't automate via an API. <laughs> yeah. And there was there was something else. Oh, I, f- I forget what it is now. There's something something new. I was looking at the other day. It's like here you go. It's uh, oh, it was just announced, and they said yeah, it's just for um. Uh, there's no cloud formation support just yet. Like okay, that's <laughs> you know at least they. They sort of acknowledged it's like, hey, here's a new thing, but it's console only. CloudFormation will be coming soon. It's like, hmm, all right. Yeah, I've heard that before. And then today I happened to run into that lovely case where I wanted to put a prefix list at a, on a route table in CloudFormation and realized, oh, yeah, after almost three years, they still haven't added that. Yeah, because why would you need that? Why would you want that? Yeah. yeah. Why would you want to be able to dynamically load information into your environment Mm. the last one that i saw for melbourne and this one is interesting because mostly because it's something i would have expected to be there as part of cloud formation but sometime last year they introduced the language extensions transform and that is now also available in melbourne since today why that wasn't just there from day one i have no clue so it doesn't seem like it's anything terribly exciting Oh, this is the, the, the JSON string and being able to do fancy, yeah, okay. That wasn't there? No, it only came today. Oh, okay. That's actually mildly concerning. Here's, here's why I'm sort of umming and ahhing and, and, and sort of hesitating a little bit here. I would have con- considered that a part of CloudFormation. If I have a look at the service map... Um, on the AWS website. Is language extensions a separate service? Does anybody know? It's not. It's literally just part of the documentation of CloudFormation at the same level as like the SAM templates. So if I'm building a solution and I look at the service map on the AWS website and see that CloudFormation is available in Melbourne and go, yep, sweet, cool, hunky-dory, and then convince my customer to go to Melbourne and then realize that a subset of the service that AWS have said is in Melbourne isn't actually in Melbourne. Like, that's going to... Like, someone someone's going to run into a problem at some point in time uh, because they're going to think something is there when it's actually not. 
And sure, it's sure it's 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 a different piece of cloud formation. Fine, cool, whatever. But I guess this means that AWS needs to come up with a very granular service map for architects to be able to go and like a a um. I don't, I'd hate to think how many services it would list if you know this is considered a, a service. It would be in the thousands or tens of thousands. But if we're breaking things up to this level, it makes multi-region or selecting a region incredibly difficult unless i'm overthinking it which totally a possibility totally a possibility. no they definitely have the same thing for a lot of the other stuff i mean the obvious the simplest example is just ec2 instance types yeah valid valid point valid point even um what you can do with ssm as well so like i, I was doing a um Going to a presentation for the programming and tools next month. And so I've like, I've written all the code out, testing it in, in Melbourne. And most of it sort of, you know, it, it's going along. I was like, all right. So now I'm trying to open the, you know, use SSM fleet manager to RDP into Windows. And that's not there. You know, and some of the, the, um, other, you know, Linux connectivity, I think the, um, what is it? The, basically the TTY session sort of emulation thing for, for your EC2s, not there. Um, so it was, yeah, it was just, there's some weird little things that just aren't quite working in Melbourne yet. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, if you had to list those exceptions, um, <laughs> Yeah, the list would be pretty, pretty big. But, but yeah, as I said, like I was surprised because it was just, just little things like, you know, yes, you can do your hit your connect box and get your SSH shell or get your PowerShell, but it doesn't have the RDP, the Windows RDP option. Yes, yeah, you know, some other little functionality like that that's just not there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of a bit weird like that. So it's, um, yeah, it's still a case of even if something says it's there, give it a test in Melbourne first and just uh, just see. Yeah. But anyway, I think that was all that we had for Melbourne. And then obviously the other one that we need to discuss is what's new in Sydney. I don't care. <laughs> Connect cases. Yes. For the three people on earth that use it. Yeah, like, yeah, that's it. Like, there's, there's nothing else to really say about that. Yeah, I, I must admit, I didn't, didn't, didn't do a search for what's new in Melbourne or in Sydney. I just thought, yeah, I'll just check out the Melbourne. C7G instances. It's good to see that we're getting the Graviton free instances. The, the, I was going to say that, yeah, it, it, it's good to see Gs coming to Australian shores. Yep. And of course, I'm sure you're super excited about yet another way to run containers in Sydney. Because we don't have enough already. So AppRunner is now he available here as well. Of course, you don't have to use containers with AppRunner. You can also just point it at a Git repository and it will run it. And and, and I guess to, it's a good service, right? I, I, I shouldn't be negative um, against it because like, I, I like, liked, a little bit less now, LightSail for a similar reason. Right, like it may not be a good fit for what I do, but I'm also not AWS's entire customer base by any stretch of the imagination. And for the for the purpose, like for the specific use cases, these sorts of things can actually be really useful. Elastic Beanstalk, same deal, right? Just yep. get it up, 
get it up, get it running, right? I just want to mock this, pocket, you know, it's a simple workload, whatever the case may be, just don't want to have to think about it. Not everybody has, you know, entire repos just full of templates and reference CloudFormation templates that they can just, you know, use at a drop of a hat. <laughs> yes, all the accumulated templates over years of uh, of writing them. Yeah, and in talking about AppRunner and, you know, jumping into some of the what's new, they had the um, uh, WAF support for AppRunner as well. So it's at least handy. If you're going to be utilizing AppRunner and hitting web stuff, then at least you can quite easily throw a, a WAF in front of it now. Yep, that's useful. But I think that's it for the what's new on Sydney part. Not as exciting as Melbourne. No, oh, to be fair, Sydney's not as exciting as Melbourne, just in general. I'll start, <laughs> kick it off. I can't remember whether I announced, whether I'd called this one or not, but it's from early Feb, but the uh, the VPC resource analyzer, the, the resource map thing, I think that's an awesome little little tool that just popped in and something nice for everyone to uh, look at and just see how things are connected. You know, for anyone that hasn't, Use this. If you have a look at your VPC, there's now a, in the console, there's now a little uh, a tab for resource map. And it just shows, you know, what subnets and route tables and things are in your VPC and how that maps. And yeah, just a handy little extra tool um, there in your VPCs. Um, so yeah, no, I love it too. Yeah. And also, too, when you're creating your VPCs, it's just having a look at the, <laughs> at the blog, which I didn't realize this was a part of it too. Yeah, it shows how those things map as well when you're going through and doing your, your create VPC. Um, now, that said, all of mine are done through CloudFormation cloud templates and not the console. But yeah, if, you, if you're just clicking it through on the console, that's, um, yeah, it's, it, it will show up there as well. So yeah, it's, it's just a nice little um, you know, improvement there on, on something that already exists and it's just it's just there. That's my first one. I fully agree. That was actually the first one I had on my list as well. <laughs> I'm glad I got in early. So what's your number two then? Uh, the next one I had was actually um, instance types. So the M7G and R7G EC2 instance types, they also got announced in mid-Feb. Unfortunately, not available here yet, but we just got the C7G, so hopefully this won't take too long. Oh, sorry, I should say Sydney just got the C7Gs. We didn't. <laughs> but yeah, this is all the advantages of the Graviton free instances, um, faster memory as well, because they're not DDR5, but instead of just the compute-optimized ones with the C, we get the M and R types, which basically leaves uh, can get up to 512 gigabits or gigabits of memory. So, yeah, I'm liking it. Um, I just like the Graviton instances. They're better in every way, except compatibility, I guess. But that's going to change. <laughs> yeah. Slow and steady. Slow and steady. Yeah. yeah, no, but if you can, yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you can run on them, you know, bigger, faster, cheaper. I mean, what's not to what's not to like there? So, what's not to love about that? Matt, do you have one you want to bring? Up? Uh, oh, I have so many, but most of them are, are just small little sort of quality of life um, improvements. Sort of working working backwards from now. 
Application load balancers support TLS 1.3. It's one of those things. It's super, super boring unless you actually need it. (laughs) But, you know, security has been a little bit of a thing in Australia the past six months or so. Why? Why would that be? (laughs) Yeah, there's been a couple of, of, of references to data breaches and, you know, security in the news. Um, look, you know, it may not be exciting, it may not be sexy, but great to see that it's there. It's another box we can tick. You know, it keeps the it keeps the compliance and the governance people happy, which you know, at the end of the day, is is always a good thing. So you guys have got you guys have got fun ones. I'm just you know you know doing boring things. <laughs> um, I suppose if it's back to me, the um, EC2 auto scaling, um. Instance refresh now supports rollbacks. So, you know, again, that's, that's, you know, well, probably maybe a little bit more than a, uh, than a quality of life. But yeah, um, if you, if, if you got your, um, auto scaling groups to, you know, for refreshing your instances, if things go badly, it will automatically roll back to undo the changes. So nice little, uh, nice little update means you don't need to sit there and watch what's going to happen. You can uh, let it do its thing and then let it tell you it was either successful or it, it rolled back. Um, so, yeah, that's my, my next one. I'll just add another sort of big one. I don't know how exciting it is for most people, but Amazon Linux 2023, which you may recall being pre-announced as Amazon Linux 2022. <laughs> but, you know, you have to move with the times when you don't release on time. So this is a um, newer version. It's The head definitely has changes um, compared to Amazon Linux 2. So I recommend really to look closely at it. I haven't had a chance yet to play with it much or actually at all. Uh, mostly because it was only announced last week and I had a lot of other things to do. I was just going to say, there's some interesting compatibility differences in there. So that was was one of my picks as well. But yeah, so you know, there are some little things that like it, it enables SE Linux by default in permissive mode. So, you know, you're not really going to notice any change there. It'll log stuff, but, you know, that's on there. Uh, Support for OpenSSL three, um, but probably the one of the um, the big ones is well uses DNF for the package manager instead of yum. So nothing too major there. Um, but yeah, there's doesn't support EPL EPEL. Um, so the extra packages for enterprise Linux. So if you use Pulling stuff from there, um, it's not supported. Doesn't support EPEL or EPEL like repositories. Yeah, that's probably one of the bigger ones. But yeah, if you if you have a look at the Amazon Linux 2023 um, user guide, right at the top, there's a comparing Amazon Linux 2 and AL 2023. Um, so you can have a look through and see the, see the, the, uh, the differences and then, you know, go into, you know, further details in, into all of those. Yeah. The other big change I would say that also security related is that it by default will have IMDS V2. So the 
instance metadata service. This was released several years ago now, I think, shortly after a non-Australian financial institution had some issues. And it's in many ways secure because you have a hop limit, for, so you can't really use it from your local machine, so that you can't use the credentials from your local machine and things like that. So this is now enabled by default. You can still override it if you have workloads that can't support that. Um, I know that for a time at least there were some issues with containers and stuff like that because that adds the extra hop. Yeah, yeah, it does say in here that the, the default hop limit is set to two to allow for containerized workload support. So if you do kick that off for, for containers, it should be it, it should be okay there. So, um, but yes, if you're running it, IMDS v2, then it can automatically use the new um, uh, updates for uh, for SSM. So I forget what they what they they called it now, but you know, the the how did these this new new way to to get SSM to manage all of your instances without having to do anything as long as it's running IMDS v2. You don't need to have the um, uh, role attached with the SSM instance core um, policy. So, so yeah, pretty big thing. And I suspect that soon a lot of the derived instances or like AMIs that AWS provides will probably start using this as the base. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably worth, you know, having a look at at the, um, the changes there, the differences between, um, you know, Amazon Linux 2, which is still built with, you know, a lot closer to um, CentOS 7 and so yeah some slight differences spin up an instance you know deploy deploy a version and uh, you know start doing the, the analysis to see what needs to change changes to packet managers and all of that are going to be a pain for, that's going to be a pain point for a lot of people that's going to take some time and the stuff with SE Linux can is, is going to potentially catch a lot of people out as well um, I think is the other one there but you know it's well worth it, right? Like they've obviously taken a security first approach um, with with 2023, um, and you know that's not a bad thing. It you know security does tend to require a little bit more effort. But again, refer back to previous comments around data breaches and you know all of that. And yeah, we know that it's uh, security is not an, an optional extra. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. But if you do want to do something stupid. Right. How about you deploy? How about you deploy Mount Point for Amazon S3 into your workload? <laughs> How's that for a segue? <laughs> yep. And, and guess what? That was one that I did not have on my list because I assumed someone else was going to uh, going, going to take that one. Yeah. Um, I I honestly don't know how to feel about this. So for the for those of you who haven't seen it, heard about it, Mount Point for Am- for Amazon S3 is AWS officially saying, you know what, you can now use your S3 bucket at the file system level. So feel free to mount it as a file as a volume on your, you know, on your EC2 instance and go nuts. So long as it's a Linux instance and it's read-only. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a couple of limitations. There's also the fact that, you know, it, it, it's an alpha release at the moment. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's got some gotchas. Um, look, 
this sort of stuff's been around for yonks. You've got AWS, is it AWS Fuse or S3 Fuse, I think was one of them. You've had um, Objective FS for a while um, that have enabled you to do this. And look, I, I, I get the logic here. Like, you know, you pay 30 cents a gig for an EBS volume. You pay two cents a gig for an S3 bucket. From a cost perspective, I know which one I'd prefer. <sighs> I... I the system administrator in me just gets scared. Like object storage is built like that for a reason. <laughs> File store like block storage is built like block storage for a different reason. Um, I'm I'm not sure the two should <laughs> coexist. But hey, you know what? Pin your data to it. See what happens. You know, uh, worst case scenario, you're going to lose it all. Worst case scenario. <laughs> uh, look, I, I mean, I think, you know, some of the examples that they gave in there it sort of makes a bit of sense for, especially for their, you know, read-only you know, scenarios. So, yeah, if, if you've got a data lake and you're hooking into and you can let me step back. If you've got a data lake built into your S3 and you want to do some stuff with that, you can hook straight up and you know. Yeah, and then that's kind of that that that's kind of why I'm like my brain's telling me not to write it off completely because like again, I can see it, it it's much like, you know, my comment before around app runner and you know elastic band. Like I can see for certain use cases, this being just a really easy way to get something running and working. Um, and for that, this would be, you know, perfect. Great, fantastic. Just, you know, throw it on my throw it on my EC2 instance, pull the data in, read it, and I don't have to worry about writing code in order to query the S3 bucket and do the API calls and all of that sort of stuff, which admittedly is not hard, but it is time consuming, right? Especially if you, you know, don't integrate with the SDKs or the APIs anywhere else. It's sort of like a whole other thing you got to do. Um, it's just, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's it it is it is interesting. There is a whole another conversation there that you could have around, because um, you know, at the end of the day, this is uh, actually just another open source project. That um, you know, this is not actually a feature or anything like that. It's it's you know, a, an open source project available on GitHub that AWS Labs have um, you know spun up. If I look at the the repo, you know, the last update to this was 14 hours ago, right? And it's had 260 odd commits to it thus far. Um, you know, so like that's a good thing. And if I was looking for something like this, you know, my choices between like S3 Fuse, which has been around for years and has the open community support, or do I go, you know, Mount Point S3, which has got AWS's backing? Uh, just because it's an AWS project, uh, open source project does not necessarily mean you're going to be able to get rapid access to AWS, just based off prior experience with other AWS open source projects. Don't want to throw anybody under the bus particularly on that one. Um, but again, right, like, you know, think about it from an enterprise perspective. You're going to use a project, you know, you got to think about who the, the maintainers are. you got to think about, you know, where you can get support from longer term. This, you know, may answer that question. So, you know, good thing. But as you said, too, like, you know, object storage is object storage for a reason. Block storage is block storage for a reason. You know, don't just think this is cheap, big block storage. 
this is not a way to stop paying 30 cents a gig for EBS storage. <laughs> yeah. But if you're, you know, if your, you know, if your case is, hey, I need to do stuff on all this S3 data that I've got, that might be the way to put it in and you can just read it and then do stuff on it and put your output somewhere other than that S3 bucket because it's read-only right now. Yeah, so, you know, if you've got an appropriate use case, cool. Um, yeah, just remember what file systems are and what they're for. All right, so back to me again. Um, this is a, a quality of life thing. Consolidated control findings and consolidated control views for Security Hub. If you've ever, you know, turned on Security Hub for the first time and you see, oh, I have this same alert. I've, I'm turning on all of these. I always forget what Security Hub calls their packages. Um, but yes, you know, hey, I'm turning on my C, the, the CIS and I'm turning on the foundational security and oh, I'm getting this same alert, you know, two or three times because each of the packages has it. Yeah. Turn, turn on your consolidated findings and you just get the one alert. Um, so yeah, that's just, it, you know, the little quality of life things that AWS is now going, ah. We don't need to show you the same thing in every package that you've turned on. We'll just, just show it to you the once. I was very happy when I saw this. Um, very happy. So just a little quality of life, but oh my God, was that a pain in the backside when you first turned Security Hub on in a new account. Cool. The next one I'll put here is going back to S3 again. But the S3 object lambda with, um, support for CloudFront or CloudFront supporting S3 object lambda, however you prefer to call it, which basically, um, allows you to directly hook up your S3 bucket to CloudFront as you could already do. But now with S3 object lambda, which is again a feature that was released a while back, um, originally, but then it was only accessible through internal endpoints. It allows you to modify what gets returned when you do when you make your calls to your S3 bucket. So in this case, when the call is made to CloudFront. So a not exactly recommended example that has been given for this is basically you put markdown files on your S3 buckets and you have your S3 object lambda turn that into a static site whenever it gets called. This is not really the most cost-effective way of doing that when you can also just use a generating tool, but it shows what kind of possibilities you have with this. So I'm really interested to see how this is actually going to work out over time because I feel like there's quite a few things you can do with it if, you have, if you're serving a lot of your data from S3. I'm sure there's a lot more interesting examples or actual use cases people can, can come up with other than the provided once so yeah it just sounds interesting to me there's a lot of s3 goodness it's like it was pi day yeah pi day there was a whole stack of you know the s3 goodness announcements you know obviously the big one that got everyone's attention was the um the the mount points but yeah i think that one came out pi day too oh i've got another one for pi day on my list ah might as well go for it 
across a region access points is something I never thought I actually wanted until I wanted it. It's one of those things that you don't really think about until you actually start mapping out a business process and then you go, oh man, I wish I could do that. So you've got S3 uh, multi-region access, po- uh, access points, right? A nice way for you to replicate data across uh, S3 buckets located in multiple regions, right? Yay, I can have data in multiple regions because I need my workload running in multiple regions. The problem with that comes from the point of view account. So you need a bucket in the Sydney region, you need a bucket in the Singapore region, or now you need a bucket in the Sydney region and a bucket in the Melbourne region because, hey, we can actually do multi-region on Australian shores now. Isn't that exciting? Which is fine, but your workload may be not your workload may not be set up like that. Right? Your workload may be spanning multiple accounts. Or you may have you may uh, be getting uh, you may have some compute workloads in Sydney, some compute workloads in Melbourne in different accounts, and you want to be able to share it that way. So this option gives you the ability to do that. You can now have your multi-region setup spanning multiple AWS accounts, which makes like makes life a lot more flexible, and we like flexibility. Again, not a particularly sexy announcement, not a particularly exciting announcement, but um, you know, just one of those things that when you go to need it uh, or you realize you need it, um, it's nice to, the fact that it's there. Yeah, definitely something I had on my list as well. Yeah, and again, another one that I saw, I thought someone else would probably pick it up, so I left that one, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's had some, uh, you know, so, some nice access options there if you're doing your you know cross account cross region stuff which you should be doing pretty much my theme for the uh for for the recording is uh quality of life things so say so this one probably falls into it a little bit but what uh what caught my eye was the uh address cloud shell now supports the modular variant of AWS tools for PowerShell. It's not so much that the uh, the modular variant of AWS tools for PowerShell that caught my eye because I don't really use PowerShell, um, but that came up and reminded me again that Cloud Shell is a thing. I quite often forget that it's there, but um, it has a, it's really handy if you if you're doing things. And it was you know. It just happened to be sort of straight after that oh, I saw that um, that I was doing something where I needed to needed to, um, to pull some um, pull something out do some do some reports on a fairly locked down sort of site and download it locally and so yeah I was like oh hang on I remember that uh, cloud shell. So yeah, for anyone that hasn't used it, you know, you can either search for Cloud Shell, or it exists as that little, you know, like uh, command prompt icon up in your uh, top right-hand corner of your console. Click that, and it opens up a shell for you. That's you know, it's just for the account that you're connected to. So you're already authenticated in. Um, it's got a whole slew of tools on there already. Your AWS CLI, your different AWS tools for PowerShell and shells. And yeah, so really handy to run some CLI type stuff. Um, and you can download and upload uh, from your local desktop as well. So yeah, 
handy if you just need to quickly jump on, do some stuff, uh, you know, queries, etc., against your your um, your accounts. So, yeah, remember Cloud Shell. It's there. It's a thing. It exists, and it's actually pretty handy. You should get that in a sticker. Cloud Shell. It's a thing. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, I just completely for you know the, uh, when I first you know when it was first released, I played around. I was like, oh yeah, this is pretty handy. And then I f- yeah forgot all about it and then came back. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. I think in part of this because most of us we tend to just work in a lot of different accounts all the time. I know that I on a typical day open like ten twenty different accounts to do something quick in there and then move on to the next one and then cloud shell is not that useful but yeah it's still really good to see it get new features then then again i'd say too if you're doing a lot of stuff from the console and you're opening up multiple multiple sessions and you want to just you know do something quickly that you otherwise have to uh you know do from your cli you know especially if you're using sso and SSO logins and you're getting rid of your api keys I mean, your um, yeah, access keys. It's it's way that yeah, you you're there, you're authenticated, you can quickly just drop in and do stuff. So, and I'll also to just give another quick little little plug of a um, quality of life tool that I like, not directly AWS related, but makes things really handy. If you're running Firefox, there's a um, a plugin called Multi Account Containers. Super handy to set that up if you've got multiple um, multiple accounts or multiple customers. In my case, just set up containers for each of your each of your customers, and you can have you know, different AWS accounts open in your one browser with multiple multiple uh, accounts. So something that I found really really useful. Yep, that can definitely be useful. But moving on then. It's my turn to pick one, and I will pick just one of my favorite announcements from reInvent becoming generally available, which is Application Composer. It's just a fun little visual tool of quickly building basically prototypes and then exporting them as a SAM or CloudFormation template. Um, It's just really nice what you can do with it. So yeah, it's available including in Sydney. So is it so is it like is it like step function like the step function workflow studio but for AWS? Mostly uh yeah for serverless things. So oh. what you can do is literally you drag a service in there, you put some connections in there, or you can even import existing cloud formation templates. You get a visual representation of it. You can make changes to the properties and all that and it just yeah. It's a nice visual way of seeing how it all works. Oh, I need to try that. Yeah, I saw when when it was announced, it sounded like really interesting, but I've not had a chance to really look at it. I'm excited. And, and Matt's like, why did I miss this? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I've just gotten to the point now where I can't keep up with this stuff anymore. Oh, I know. I mean, like, I, I, I read it daily and... You know, I tag the the ones that are interesting, and then I get to you know things like this or, or the you know the monthly AWS user groups and going through the what's new. Like, oh, what did I tick? Oh crap, that looked interesting, and I never got around to checking that that out. Yeah, it's so much. 
and 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 to be f- and to be fair, right? Like I had this like I had this problem before the baby was born, so it's not like it's a you know now that now that I've got a kid, I've got no time. Like this has been a problem for a while now. Um, there are just too many things that it's like you know, as you say, you add it to the list, and the list just gets longer. <laughs> <laughs> Never actually, you can't actually, you can't. Like I I remember like it used to be sort of like oh you know like oh long weekend you know I can. Get give it you know spend a couple of hours and sort of catch up on a few of those things that looked interesting now it's like you open the list of oh look at that one day and there's like 40 things there and it's like uh yeah i'm just i'm declaring inbox you know bankruptcy but on you know new aws feature list (laughs) yeah yep yeah this one though it's definitely worth checking out um because you can quickly just book something up so you can see in the console what it looks like obviously this is a pure console thing and yeah you can't have it as an api but considering it spits out the cloud formation i'll forgive it for it and that's that's the bit that that's the bit that's really intriguing me is if you can mock it in the console but then output cloud formation that you can then go and do the i want to automate all the things and i'll parameterize it and you know put it in a pipeline and and all that sort of jazz then the console's fine right like there is actually nothing wrong with the console it's just you know a lack of automation but if this allows you to then implement the automation then will you get in the best of both worlds graphical uh rapid prototyping and automation after the fact like once it's working because let's face it right like you know you start a new project and the first thing's like oh well in order to be able to develop rapidly i want to deploy a pipeline so that i can you know get my commits you know deployed quickly so that i can get feedback quickly so okay so i'm going to need a pipeline and i'm going to need you know a push mechanism and i'm going to need some observability and but um but um but um just to the point that you can get to the hello world yep that worked cool now i'll add all of this so if this you know gives you a, a way to rapidly prototype and test things awesome all right i'm going to just declare new feature bankruptcy and then just put this as the one thing on my list because <laughs> <laughs> we have easter coming up we have easter a four-day weekend all right i'm sure i can find a few hours over the easter weekend to have a play um there's probably a a, a workshop or a programming and tools session or something um in it i'm sure Guess it's my turn. Oh, which ones have we got? So, if I fly, you know, my flag, you know, Matt's known for, um, I think I've got to make reference to the various uh, Connect announcements that have been made this year, including the ability to programmatically deploy Amazon Connect instances. Thank you for that, finally. But I'm actually not going to do that, right? See how I stole some topics, but then, like, didn't actually count them as my one? See? (laughs) Um... AWS Lambda now supports up to 10 gig of ephemeral storage in six additional regions, including Melbourne. Yay. I know we've already said that, but... <laughs> it's worth repeating. It's it, Well, one, it's worth repeating because it's actually been, you know, helping me on a project that uh, I've been working on at the moment. But you know what would be really cool to go with this, right? Like super duper cool to go with this is... The ability to actually deploy lambdas with 10 gig of RAM, like the console says you can. 
So if you remember back last year, they announced the fact that AWS Lambda support up to 10 gig of RAM. And if you look in the console, it says specifically pick a number between 128 and 10,240. But if you put a number in the Sydney or Melbourne regions greater than 3,008, you will get an error message that says you're not allowed to do that. Same thing happens if you try to deploy it using CloudFormation or through the CDK. Same. So I really like this feature, but it would be really cool if I could get 10 gig of RAM to go with uh, 10 gig of storage. Because, you know, I like numbers when they match. No, I really just want the more CPU and just wanted a reason to be able to complain about it. <laughs> All right. My one is, and this doesn't sound like a really big thing, but Announcing favorites feature to organize systems manager documents and runbooks. So if you do a fair bit of ops and you use system manager and runbooks to push out, you know, or, or your, uh, you know, management of your EC2s at scale and things like that, you'll find that amongst your documents and AWS documents and so there's so many of them and it, it's gets to be a bit of a pain in the backside to try and find the ones that you like. So just a little feature that you can actually flag and favorite up to 20 documents and run books that you, uh, you know, that you might use regularly. So just a little, you know, quality of life thing. But yeah, if, if you do a lot with systems manager, um, yeah, it's nice just to be able to quickly see your documents and just run and favorite that one, update them. You know, easy, easy to find. That's, um, yeah. So it was just a, you know, one of those little annoyances that you had if you, if you do this sort of thing, uh, a fair bit. So it's like, yay. Um, not a big thing, but oh, yeah. Why will it help? So that brings it back to my turn. Now I could do like Matt and mention something that we don't actually want to talk about, like EKS now supporting. Kubernetes version 1.25. So instead, I will talk about um, code scan for Lambda functions within Amazon Inspector being in preview. So basically, this is a improvement on the original Amazon Inspector for Lambda announcement in that it now also scan scans custom application code within your Lambda functions for code security vulnerabilities. So this is, in a way, I'm guessing a bit competing with, I think it was CodeGuru that does the vulnerability scanning. Um, but this is for things you have already deployed. So it's, yeah, nice to see it. As usual, um, the integration is with Inspector, which means it sends it to Security Hub and EventBridge and all the stuff where you want it. I haven't had a chance to try it out yet. Um, said it's in preview, only in five regions, none of which are in this part of the world. But it's good to see that they actually kept improving it because I believe the original uh, Lambda and Inspector functionality got announced either at or slightly before reInvent. So I'm just glad to see that they're keeping up with that. Anything that makes life easier is a good thing. Yep. Well, I guess that means it's my turn again, doesn't it? 
I believe so. So, all right. Well, the one for me, um, keeping on the the whole serverless trend uh, thing, back in February, uh, Step Function added integration for 35 new services, including EMR serverless. Um, I've been doing a hell of a lot of stuff recently with Step Functions, um, and holy dooly, can you now integrate with a whole heap of stuff? You know, Step Functions Visual Workflow Service capable of orchestrating over 11,000 API actions from over 250 AWS services. So if you're looking for uh, a workflow uh, engine um, to integrate a whole bunch of AWS bits, uh, Step Functions is a good option. Um, it can get a little exy um, if you're not careful, but I guess that goes to anything in the serverless in the serverless realm, yeah, uh, I I know I've I've become a real fan of, of Step Functions uh, over the last uh, few months, and it really is now for me at least becoming my default. I have a bunch of serverless things that I need to integrate with each other. Well, I will just use Step Functions because it can do you know consistency and it can pass the data between services and it can do my error handling and it can do my logic and it can do you know pass all the data back to CloudWatch and it can give me status updates and it's just all there in one bit and um, it's got the workflow studio, which is a nice graphical way for you to draw things out and have a workflow all nice and visual, which is why I'm really excited about Composer. Um, you know. uh, so this was a this was a really nice. I'd say it's a little bit more than a quality of life because it enables a whole heap of stuff. But yeah, no, it's um, really nice. It opens up a lot of possibilities. Nah, definitely that that yeah. When I saw that, it looked looked like it was you know some really good updates for step functions there. All right, so I suppose back to me, and this is sort of really my last, uh, my last one. But um, the Amazon VPC Reachability Analyzer um, now adds support um, for gateway load balancers, network firewall, and private link services. So that's handy. Yeah, I uh, love Reachability Analyzer. Uh, if you're trying to troubleshoot sort of networking issues and why is this thing not talking to to this other thing? Yeah, so anytime they add support for additional networking services in there, that's that's a good thing. Okay, it's nice that you did that one. Um, now I need to figure out which one I can do. We can talk about they, they've released, um, is it Pareto version 20? I know, and we could, of course, talk about that but yeah i think we'll just leave that as being mentioned it doesn't actually deserve much more than that uh an interesting other one though which isn't something we generally talk about but uh, amazon workspaces it now has support for windows 11 licenses so basically you can now bring your own windows 11 license to run it using to run windows 11 on workspaces using that license. Obviously, this is a big thing for companies that want to use um, workspaces, but already have their own agreement with Microsoft for the licensing. So yeah, in that regard, it was something that came up and I know that at least one of my colleagues is very happy about it. 
because it's the kind of thing that makes life easier for workspace users. Well, not the users, but to manage people who pay the bills. So I think I will end with that not super exciting announcement either, but a good quality of life improvement, as we've had many of. Anything from your side to Hella? end up with oh i got a couple of rapid fire ones that i can throw in here that are just uh you know little little tidbits um ec2 m1 mac instances now support in place operating system updates um this would be really really exciting if it wasn't for the fact that in order to run an m1 mac instance you've got to pay for at least 24 hours of runtime um so that kind of completely kills the logic of being able to run uh, apple Macs uh in ec2 so cool but yeah fix that problem then we'll talk um chatbots aws chatbot now available for microsoft teams because enterprises enterprises like microsoft teams um and you know it's really nice that it's you know you've got the native integration for that now um always you know always a little handy thing my uh, aws backup now supports vmware vsphere 8 and multiple virtual NICs. again one of those things that if you've got a vsphere environment and you want to be able to leverage all of that sort of stuff yay cool always good um me personally you know can't remember the last time i logged into a vmware environment that wasn't my home lab um yeah application auto scaling supporting resource tagging that's kind of a oh yeah that wasn't a thing was it that wasn't a thing was it and it's nice to know that it's now a thing it's nice to know that it's um what else did we have programmatically manage enable and disabled opt-in aws regions and aws accounts again one of those things that we shouldn't really need to celebrate but yay thankfully that is there particularly with the melbourne region that was actually one i wanted on my list and just remember to upgrade your CLI. Yes, um, that is just that is that is just one of those things that will bite you more often than you think. Yeah, yeah, because I saw that announcement. It's like, oh, that sounds awesome. And what is it not working? Oh, hang on, let me just update CLI. Yay, now it works. Um, Yay. Yeah. Yeah, and then the, the the last one, which I'm not, and I can't believe it's another S3 thing i don't think i've spent so much time talking about s3 in years and this is not really i don't know it's a really really good thing i'm glad that aws have done it but again it's one of those i shouldn't have to celebrate this thing automatically encrypts new or like all new objects by default right so much like the other year when aws finally turned around and went you know what let's not deploy s3 buckets as public things by default because that's a bad idea now uh they automatically have the encrypt by default option turned on yeah okay it's you know managed server-side encryption but hey it's encryption right like like it's it's just good to know because you look at the well-architected framework you look at every compliance framework every uh, you know governance framework out there you know is your stuff encrypted at rest right well you know there is all my like i cannot think and feel free to you know tell me i'm completely wrong on this but i cannot think of a reason to not have your data encrypted in an S3 bucket. Yeah, I mean, you know, before it was just a tick box. Now they've ticked the box for you. Yeah, now, now like, and it's such a it's such a small thing. It's like, yeah, right. How hard was it to turn this stuff on? It's not right, but you shouldn't have to do it because, like, it's just a given that you're gonna tick the box. <laughs> yeah, and look, 
you can put the line item in there and say false if you legitimately have a reason not to use it. But look, it's... I guess my thing there is it's really nice to see AWS taking more steps towards the, well, this is a duh configuration. So let's just make it the default. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just changing those defaults is really good because I'm sure we've all had complaints as well. Like, let's, the, the standard example for CloudFormation is S3 buckets. And yeah. you just give it the name and it's done. Yay. Yeah. Except then it's completely open and everything. And yeah, it, it's completely configured the wrong way. It's completely. <laughs> yeah. So at least, at least now you de- you know, you've got decent defaults. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you use the defaults in CloudFormation, right, it should not result in reds in a well architected review. Yeah, definitely. All right. Like that shouldn't happen. Yeah. I mean, the. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, we're all aware of this, but just, you know, putting the disclaimer out there that if you are going to be accessing your S3 bucket from a different account, you do need CMKs. You can't just rely on the the default yeah. encryption that it will be that that it will be enabled with. So, you know, that's about the only gotcha. But, you know, if you're doing that sort of thing, then hopefully, you know, you know what you need doing yeah you're gonna you're gonna be in configuring other things anyway yeah just as a you know you just want a default bucket then yes exactly you know deploying a bucket with default should not raise red flags in in a well-architected framework or your uh you know config config rules security hub etc your default should be should should all all have green ticks they should they should be the way you they should be yeah Mm -hmm. Um, I have one extra little thing that I found when I was scrolling through, and mainly interesting because I was they they had something on one of the AWS podcasts about this um, a few months back. But AWS Clean Rooms now generally available. Um, it's sort of an interesting concept for for collaborating with your with um, partners with out necessarily sharing raw data. So if you've got data sets that you need to collaborate with, you can sort of pull out, you know, portions of your data set that you want to share and that's the only things that they have access to. Yeah, it's you know, probably relatively sort of niche case of you know, sharing that. But yeah, it sounded really quite interesting there if you are in the business of, you know, sharing data with third parties and you just want a, a way to be able to, you know, sanitize that and only share the bits that you want to share. I think they were even saying there was, you know, there, there were ways where you could obfuscate some of the the, the fields and things in, in your data. So, yeah, it's sort of an interesting um, service if you've got that um, that sort of need for, for you know, data sharing. But with that, I think we'll end it for the day. Cool. So I want to thank everybody, as usual, for listening, for sticking with us through all the bad jokes, the battle jokes, and all the complaints about... Um, everything. 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 I, I'm, at this point in time, I'm, I'm willing to admit that I'm just a cranky old man. I'm just a cranky old man. 
Yes, it, it's the uh, it, it's the banter show with Matt, Jason, and I, and and occasionally some AWS stuff thrown in. <laughs> but I do want to thank our sponsors, uh, or rather the user group sponsors. So our gold sponsor, CMD Solutions, and our silver sponsors, CFO and Fursent. Um, thank you. Thank you for keeping us going. And of course, I want to thank the two of you for being here. Um, Thank you, old guy. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank, thank you for giving me a chance to to rant yet again. <laughs> and other cranky old guy. <laughs> Slightly older than Matt. Um, yes. No, it's always it, it's always fun hanging out with you guys and uh, talking AWS. And hopefully the listeners get some uh, some entertainment out of it as well. Yeah, hopefully they enjoy it, right? Like, like we enjoy it, but hopefully they do too. Hopefully they- exactly. And of course, um, if you want to follow or talk to us, um, the best way to do so is probably just on the user group Slack. So you can join that on the user group's website, which is melp.awsug.org.au, which really rolls from the tongue. Um, so yeah, I think with that, we'll leave it for today. And hopefully... You get to listen to us again soon. Goodbye. See everyone. Ciao.